When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everyone, to the 179th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Wow, it's hard to believe, but it's back to school time for our tweens and teens. Are you ready, mom? And for you moms who've just dropped off your teen in college and feeling a little bit lost, this is a perfect time to get your copy of Dollop the Dream, Make Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. You can listen to it on Audible, read a print copy, or ebook. Okay, moms, I have a question for you. Do your teens, college students, or emerging young adults know how to money? Do they know how to earn it, manage it, use it, and have an eye on the future? Do they know how to curb the urge to splurge? Well, today I have two wonderful guests who can help you with teens and money. Jean Chatsky and Catherine Tuggle, co-founders of Her Money and authors of How to Money, Your Ultimate Visual Guide to the Basics of Finance. Jean Chatsky is CEO and co-founder of Her Money, the author of over a dozen books, including Money Rules, Women with Money, and Not Your Parents' Money Book, an award-winning magazine columnist and host of the Her Money podcast. After decades of reporting on personal finance, including 25 years on the Today Show, she knows that now more than ever, a successful financial life is within every woman's grasp. And with the Her Money team, she's on a mission to help you get it. In her free time, Jean loves running, finding new ways to use her sourdough starter, and cooking for friends. Raised in the Midwest, she now lives in Philadelphia with her family and new pup. Find her on Twitter and Instagram. Catherine Tuggle is Chief Content Officer and Gracie Award-winning Editor-in-Chief at HerMoney.com. She produces the Her Money podcast and co-hosts its popular mailbag segment. Originally from Birmingham, Alabama, Catherine has spent the last two decades writing and editing for magazines, television, and websites in New York. When she's not educating women about their money, Catherine can probably be found thrift store shopping, teaching a yoga class, or browsing bookstores in Paris. So welcome, Jean and Catherine. Thank you so much. Thanks, Colleen. Good to be here. And y'all have just published a book called How to Money, Your Ultimate Visual Guide to the Basics of Finance, which I think actually anybody could learn something from this book. It's just fabulous. 
So let me just start off with, are you a mom? And if so, what are the ages of your kids? So I'm a mom. I'm also a stepmom. This is Jean. And my kids are older than I ever imagined they would be, which (laughs) makes me older than I ever imagined I would be, but better than the alternative. So I've got... My son is 28, my daughter's 25, my stepson is 37, and my stepdaughter is 33. Yes. So could they benefit from your book? I believe they all could benefit from my book. And they all they all have a copy of the book at this point. My my daughter actually, she lives in New York City. And so she came to the book launch event that Catherine and I did. And then she actually invited me to come to her office and talk to her colleagues about a lot of the stuff that was in the book. So I think that was a tacit acknowledgement that she got something out of it. Wow. Yes, that's so awesome. So where did the idea for creating a finance guide for teens and young adults come from? You know, Jean and I, and really our whole team at Her Money, we so often get asked the question as to what were the biggest money mistakes that you made when you were younger? And what is the best piece of money advice you ever received when you were coming up? And what do you wish you'd done differently in your career? And what do you wish you'd done differently with your money? And and so we really decided to write a book about it. We decided to write a book that could become the ultimate handbook that could instruct the next generation on what we wish we knew. And so we decided to start with the basics because as we know, most schools in America don't teach personal finance. And a lot of parents, you know, may not be equipped to necessarily teach their own children. So we decided to write really the ultimate primer that could catch you wherever you are in life. And for some people that'll be reading it in high school before they hit college. And some people, they may not pick this up till their first job. Yeah. So who do you think the ideal audience for this book is? I think it's anyone in that age range. We wrote it with a female perspective and a female point of view. It's, it's, the advice is inclusive, but women are still forced to catch up in so many different areas, um, particularly when it comes to salaries, when it comes to raising money for their small businesses. It's very much aligned with our mission to bring women along and young women with them. So so we wrote it for the younger women in our audience. I love it. I actually wished I could have had a book like that when I was that age. I am also a visual artist, so I love how this book is designed. So how did you get the idea of having these graphics? We actually have to give credit to our publisher there and, and our wonderful editor at Macmillan, I don't know that I've ever had a book that was illustrated. This is my this is my 12th book and this is the first one that has had illustrations. But once she opened the door to having colors and having pictures, we went on this search for a fabulous visual artist and found this amazing artist on Instagram, um, Nina Cosford, who has quite a following and um, we're all pretty obsessed with her at this point. And I, I just think she makes it, I look, we wrote it to be accessible. We wrote it Uh, We don't believe that personal finance is rocket science. We just believe you need to take some time to learn it 
I think Nina's work made it even more accessible than it would have been had it been words alone. Yeah, I know. I completely agree. So can you discuss the roles of Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok in this age group's financial behavior? Yeah, I mean, this is a big part of the book, really. You know, it's it's a chapter that I feel very proud of that we knew from the very beginning, writing this book was one of the chapters that we had to have because we see every day how much people of all ages are influenced by both influencers and by the pop-up ads that seem to know us so well because they've yes, been they studying do. our habits for, for so many years. And, you know, we, we've said for years, for decades, that you don't be concerned with keeping up with the Joneses. You know, you've, you've got to walk your own path. You've got to save. You've got to live according to your means and your own budget. But it's grown increasingly more difficult because the Joneses are no longer just your next door neighbors. They're anybody that you can follow on social media. And in many cases, these influencers are living incredibly lavish lives, oftentimes paid for by the very brands that they are endorsing. And I, we tried to really pull the veil back on this and, and educate our readers on what really goes on. You know, a lot of times people are being paid to say that this is the greatest snack food or the greatest purse or the greatest watch that they have ever used. And we wanted the next generation to know when and how they are being sold to because companies have but one goal really. And that is to get your money. And I think very oftentimes on social media, when a product is being recommended to you by someone you trust, you suddenly feel like, well, this isn't, this isn't a sales pitch because I, I know this person. I like this person. I follow this person, but you know, we try to say, yeah, it is a sales pitch. And here's how, you know, when you're being sold to, and here's how to be smart and be savvy. Yeah. So how did you go about researching pay gap inequalities for the book? This is something that we write about and talk about all the time on the Her Money podcast. We write about it for Her Money website and for our newsletters. So it's this is not something that, that was news to us. It's something that that I think we've just been trying to shine a light on for a very, very long time. But because we've talked about it for so long, we have great sources that we turn to. You'll see a gender economist named Katika Roy, who is quoted in, in that chapter and that section of the book. And her work has just been eye-opening, not just for women like us, but for Fortune 500 companies that are looking to level the playing field. I mean, one of the most fascinating conversations that I've ever had, and, and we just had it this week, we didn't include in the book, but it was with a young woman who is on TikTok. She's 23 years old, and she is going across the country asking two questions of everyone she meets. What do you do and how much you make? How much do you make? And people are telling her. And she's getting millions of followers and millions of views. And that's what it's going to take to... Mm make salaries really transparent and to level the playing field for the younger women who are coming up. Oh, that's great. I love that. So what is one piece of money advice you would give to your younger self? For me, I would say start saving as soon as possible. You know, no one told me that as soon as I had earned income, as soon as I had a paycheck in my name, that I could open an IRA. 
And I worked my way through college and I wish more than anything, somebody had told me that it was an avenue for me because I knew that a 401k existed, but I thought, well, that'll be for when I get my first big girl job out of college. You know, little did I know that I could have started saving at 19. So we, we try to make that clear in the book that as soon as you've got that paycheck, you can start saving for your future. If I truly had a crystal ball, I would have told myself to buy real estate in Brooklyn when I was 21, right? I would, I mean, I rented, I rented this great apartment for $400 a month in 1986. And I should have figured out even on my very small salary, how to buy real estate, because that would have been a path to security that, that is much, much harder for people these days. I think Catherine's advice is the quintessential advice. We can always earn more money. We can't earn more time. And so we have to do our very best to make the most of those early years that we have because money that you save and particularly invest during those early years is so much more valuable, literally, than money that you save and invest in your 30s, 40s, and 50s. Great advice. Can you talk a bit about what inspired your interest in finance to begin with and how your relationship with it has evolved over the years? My relationship with finance actually came through my interest in journalism. I, I got a job out of college at a magazine that no longer exists called Working Woman. I don't know if you remember oh, yeah, it, yeah. but the job I got was as the assistant to the business editor. And I really liked it. It was a good fit for me. I liked learning that numbers could tell a story. And I liked diving into personal finance, I think because my own financial life was a bit of a mess. And learning what I learned on the job gave me the ability to fix the things that were not going well. And so I just continued down that path and have done that for many, many years at this point. But I think I was trying to sort of steady my own ship a bit. Yeah. I started my career working for Inc. Magazine, which is a small business publication in New York. I moved to New York from rural Alabama to get it any job in journalism. I cast a very wide net. You know, I think if you had asked me at, at 21, I probably would have said, oh, Cosmo or Lucky or one of the, <laughs> the classic glossy women's magazines that I had been reading my whole life would have been my ideal job. And I'm so thankful that my first job was, was at a business publication because I really felt like I learned early on the power of your words and what it feels like to produce a substantive article that has the power to inform and create change. And that really got me hooked with writing about business. And, you know, my family owned a business uh, that's been in our family for generations. So I think I kind of knew the basics of what it takes to save and, and to pursue entrepreneurship, but then this whole new world opened up to me with investing and with retirement planning. And, you know, I, I just really kind of immediately wanted to spread that word to others. Awesome. So what was the collaboration process like for you, Catherine, and the Her Money contributors on creating this book? It was great, really. I mean, I had never written anything long form like this before. 
So I learned a lot from Jean in the process and we really tried to break it down chapter by chapter. We tried to break it down as if we were writing an assortment of articles because that's kind of how my brain works after 20 years of writing articles. So I tried to take it one little chunk at a time. And the women who helped us on the Harmony team, they had been working with us for years, many of them since we launched Harmony.com in 2019. So we all kind of knew each other. We knew one another's voices. We knew one another's flow. And it was really incredibly collaborative. Everybody working in a shared document The outline started small, then it got bigger, then it got bigger. Then the next thing you know, we had full chapters. It it was pretty great. Oh, that's wonderful. So you have five sections in your book. And so the first one, part one is earn it. I think my favorite part in that section was where did my money go? Because I think we have no idea. I mean, I still probably don't have an idea, but I think that's really, really good for young people. Because they're like, I just made all this money. So they, they don't have an idea about that. Yeah. So it made so, me think of that episode of Friends where Rachel's like, FICA? Like, what is FICA? You know, that <laughs> we tried to do like the whole paycheck explainer. We tried to, I mean, the name of this game for this book was to demystify everything. Take uh-huh. the stress out of it. Take the worry out of it. Take the big question marks out of all of it. And part of that was, as you said, in that chapter, Earn It, we say like, you know, here's how to know what you're earning. Here's how to earn it basically. I had a whole discussion with my son. Actually, it wasn't even a discussion. It was just a text exchange with my son when he got his first job. And he basically said, you know, what's great. And I said, what? He said, getting paid. And I said, he said, you know, what sucks. And his answer was taxes. And, and I think the lesson is you get this fat number as a salary and you divide it into the number of weeks of the year and you think that's the amount that you're going to have to spend. And in fact, it's not that at all. And if you're living on your gross rather than your net, you're going to get into trouble really, really quickly. So that I think resonates with a lot of people as well as just this exercise of figuring out once they have the amount that shows up in their paycheck, where does that go? We spend so quickly these days and so invisibly through Venmo and swiping and tapping and pretty much everything except using cash that it is incredibly easy to lose track. And so when I'm coaching somebody, the first thing that I do with them, and we have a a coaching program at Her Money called Finance Fix, which is basically, you know, a way to get in touch with your money and get out from that cycle where you just don't know where everything is going. The very first thing that I do is have people track, which is a little tedious, but always incredibly eye-opening. Yeah. So the next section is manage it. So I like the section on like, so what goes in a budget? There's so many things you don't think about should go into the budget. It's amazing how we try to shoehorn these young people into budgets that are based on our lives and not based on their lives. And that doesn't work. And here's why this this story just opened my eyes. And again, it was my son when he got his first job. He said, I want to do a budget. And I was just like, "Okay, that's music to my ears. I taught you well. So I had him track his spending because the only real way to 
fashion a budget that will work for your life, you with a capital Y, right? You as an individual is to figure out where your money is actually going now. Then you can make changes. So I had him track his spending for a month. And then we sat down to figure out what needed to change in order to stretch his paycheck a little bit further and to enable him to save the amount of money that he needed to save every month for emergencies and for the future, because that's really the goal of a budget. It's, you know, once you're saving, as long as you're not going into credit card debt, it's working. So I remember sitting down with him after he went through this exercise and he said, I need $250 a month for Uber. (laughs) And I said, sweetie, you have a car. And he said, yes, but when my friends and I go out on the weekends, we drink and we don't drive. And I said, you need $250 a month for Uber. So let's find it. (laughs) Right. And then we went through the process of figuring out his budget so that we could find that money. And that's a real life budget. That's not a, well, transportation should be X percent, right? And that's sort of how the exercise works when it works well. Otherwise, if you set yourself up with all of these expense categories that are not based on your personal reality, that budget is going to fall apart really quickly. Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. And so then that young person or anybody is going to just blow off a budget. Right. Right. They're going to be like, well, this doesn't work. This is not my life. And so I'll spend and maybe I'll accrue some credit card debt and I'll deal with it later. Yes. And especially, I mean, you think about the neuroscience of the young person to the mid 20s or sometimes even later is they are definitely not looking at long term consequences or perspective. And so they're pretty impulsive and adults are, too. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not just the neuroscience of the young person, it's it's the, it's the neuroscience of the brain, right? We are not wired for delayed gratification. We're wired for immediate gratification, and that's what makes money so difficult. Yeah. And like where to put your dough to make it grow and how crypto works, and that you explained some of the risks of those and comparing. I think that was super helpful. Yeah, you know, I think something that has worried me in in recent years is the fact that things like crypto and NFTs have gotten so much more press than a good old fashioned mutual fund or a good old fashioned 401k, you know, and I know that chances are good that most young people have heard more about crypto than they have about these tried and true investment vehicles that we know are, I don't know, I, I I would say more likely to be there for us in retirement than crypto. I guess I don't have a crystal ball, but, you know, we wanted to address these new asset classes that have been all over the news. And we wanted to, once again, demystify that for our readers and also tell them these are fine. These can be fun. These can be great. You know, taking risk is, can be a, can be a really good thing, but we don't want to risk our life savings in some of these things. Yet we felt it was important to talk about all the new and, and all the old. Jean, is there something you want to add to that? I mean, I think Catherine, you know, covered it nicely. 
there are always going to be shiny objects that are aiming to capture your attention. And they're going to be throughout the lifetime of an individual as an investor, there are going to be a lot of booms and a lot of busts, right? And some bubbles. And I think it's important to just understand what's the meat and potatoes? What has the proven history behind it where you should be putting the bulk of your money? And then where do you take a flyer? Where do you have an opportunity to actually invest in something that may be speculative, but maybe you understand it better because you've come up in a generation that gets what it is. I think that's great. I think it's opportunistic. And and I know a number of younger people who have bought houses with their crypto money, and I think that's terrific. But I would hope that they put a small percentage of their assets there and not, not the entire thing. Yeah. So another section is on use it. And one thing that stood out to me was the seven ways to curb the urge to splurge. So could you talk about that? Yes, I can absolutely talk (laughs) about it. And I think these are useful, not just again for young people, but, you know, we talked a little bit about our brains and our brains have, you know, a very definitive reaction to buying things. I'm not necessarily talking about grocery shopping, although if you're hungry, (laughs) you may have the same reaction. But, you know, if you you see something and it's something that you want to buy, whether it's a new bottle of perfume or a pair of shoes or whatever, it lights your brain up like a Christmas tree. I mean, you really get that very powerful reaction. And when you actually get the item, when you use your money to get the item, you get a rush of the feel-good chemical dopamine. So it's a cycle for which you are rewarded for spending money. The problem is that reaction in your brain is very short-lived. And as soon as it dies back, the urge is there to do it again in order to get the same sort of positive response from your brain. And so you have to figure out ways to fight back against that. And so these are just, this is just sort of a list of roadblocks that we we put together that you can use to help yourself. I mean, my favorite is the purchasing pause, that if you can get yourself to just stop and not buy it, whether you are shopping in a store or whether you're shopping online, give yourself 24 hours. If you still want it, if you're still thinking about it, you can go back and you can get it if it's still that meaningful to you. But chances are really good, A, that it won't be. And B, that if you leave it in your cart online, they're going to send you a coupon to get 15% off. So either way, you're going to win. Using cash if you can get yourself to do it is is also a really positive thing. I mean, I, I'm sure that many of your listeners, Colleen, they they don't carry, their kids do not carry cash. I mean, I, I am, every time I take my children to the airport, I give them cash because I know they have none. And I know that if it was me and my flight got canceled and I had to hail a taxi or figure it out, I would want to have some cash. So Cash still feels more real to our brains than a swipe. 
or a transfer. And for that reason, we're less likely to part with it. And so if you're trying to keep yourself on a budget, using cash is is a really, really good thing to do. Catherine, you want to pick up a couple of these? Yeah. You know, we also really dive into what it takes to be a smart shopper. And I think that the rules for that have changed. We talk about comparison shopping in real life when you're at the store and also checking prices online at the same time. And this is something that I had to introduce my parents to, right? It's like, oh, before you buy that appliance, did you read the reviews? (laughs) Did you see if there's maybe a cheaper price online? So I think that a lot of times I think people think of budgets as restrictive. And what we tried to do in the book is to instill the excitement and the joy in finding those bargains, right? Because it's fun to kind of go on a treasure hunt and see where you can get the best deal. It, you know, setting up those price alerts online and seeing where a price may have dropped for something that you want. That's amazing. Finding a coupon code that you didn't know existed that will get you 20% off. Like these are the things that are required to be a smart shopper in 2022. And and we really tried to, to double down on those things and talk about, you know, just giving yourself grace, you know, giving yourself that allowance. We call it an oops allowance in the book because your budget is never going to be the exact same every single month, unless you are walking the exact same path and eating the exact same meal prepped meals and hanging out with the exact same people. Everybody's months are going to be different, particularly for the audience of kids that's maybe just starting college, maybe just starting their first job. You know, we want people's lives to be fun. And that's where we want money to be that source of empowerment and just knowing what you have in your bank account and knowing where you can find the best deals month to month. That makes all the difference. Yeah. So another section of your book is called Get Schooled. Can you talk about what your goal was there? Yeah. So one of the reasons that I think we were so intent on writing this book is that the student debt crisis in this country is enormous. And part of the reason that it's enormous is that kids are being asked to make decisions about tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt that are going to stick with them for decades. And they're being asked to make those decisions when they're 18 years old or 17 years old, and they are not equipped. And so this chapter was really about finding the value in a college education, casting a wide net so that you're likely to get merit aid that does not have to be repaid in addition to learning how to borrow smartly based on your future. And so just a couple of tips to to take away from that section. I think Sometimes these big numbers sound to parents and kids like monopoly money, right? If you're borrowing $50,000 for college, you're borrowing $100,000 for college. That's a number that is so large, it's almost unreal. So if you're thinking, if you're trying to think about how much you can borrow smartly, if you need to borrow, and most students do these days, think of it as... For every $20,000 that you borrow, you're going to have to pay back $250 a month for 10 years. Wow. For every for every 20,000. So if and wow. and right now the average 
that is being borrowed is closer to $40,000. So if if you borrow $40,000, that's $500 every single month for 10 years Mm. out of your paycheck. So Mm. the question is, are you going to be able to move out of the house, afford transportation to get yourself back and forth to work, and make these student loan payments. And if you think that the student loan payments are gonna prevent you from having an adult life, then maybe you go to a school that wants you so much that they're willing to cut the price to attend. And that that happens every single day, but we get so stuck on these dream schools that we put the numbers off to the side. So that was why we were looking at it. And just one other handy rule of thumb to keep with you. You want to try not to borrow in total any more than you expect that you'll earn in the first year out of college. So if you're planning on, I'm not expecting every 18 year old to know what they want to do coming out of college. I, I, my kids certainly didn't. I certainly didn't, but I do think you have some sense of whether you are an engineering, computer science-y kind of a kid or English major journalism kind of a kid. And the salaries are totally different. Mm, that's a lot of wisdom. And that's an easy number to remember. You know, like we we get questions on the Her Money podcast all the time. And we just talked to a woman who, you know, we gave this basic rule of thumb to is don't borrow more than your child expects to earn in their first year out of college. And she was like, oh my God, we were about to take on $140,000 in debt for a journalism degree that probably Mm -hmm. would have paid 50,000 a year out of college. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think that these people just don't talk about these numbers enough, frankly. Some of the numbers in here, we wanted the parents to hear just as much as the kids. Yeah, no, that's so helpful. And I completely agree. Okay. So the last part in your book is called look to the future. So can you talk about that? I'll start with my favorite part, which is the part about money and happiness. You know, for so many of us, we grow up in households where a conversation about money is synonymous with a conversation about scarcity, or it is synonymous with a conversation about stress or negativity or a lost job or bad credit. And I think what we tried to impart within these pages is that money can be a beautiful tool for you to accomplish all of your goals in life if you just have the right recipe. If you just follow some basic steps, it really does not have to be that hard. And money can actually be a source of joy. It can be a pathway for you to own a home. It can be a pathway for you to get a doctorate. It can be a pathway for you to travel the world. And we also talk about wellness. You know, we talk about how to stay healthy and the cost involved in having health insurance and and being insured and and taking care of yourself and not smoking. Because these are also things I think we we don't want to necessarily admit is that there is a direct correlation in how we live our lives day to day over the next few decades and how well, we're going to feel when we hit retirement. So we we really try to cover it all and talk about just how to set yourself up for the best possible outcome for your life and your money and your mental health. 
Yeah. The whole book is designed. And by the way, everything we do at Her Money, and I I hope that your listeners will check out hermoney.com and maybe dip into our podcast and even sign up for our newsletters because they're free and, and we put a lot of work into them. There's a lot of good stuff there. The whole goal of everything we do is to be not judgy right? We all work way too hard to be judging other women for anything. And young women in particular, I think, are sometimes way too judgy of themselves and and of each other. And so, as Catherine said, money comes with a whole lot of baggage. I mean, you know this from your training, Colleen. It comes with a whole lot of nuance and some people think of it as power and some people think of it as security and some people think of it as love. If we can get it stripped down to the point where we acknowledge, really, this is a tool. This is a tool to create the life that we want. It's a tool to create the world that we want. It is something that if you learn how to use it effectively, will eliminate a whole lot of unnecessary stress Mm -hmm. from your life going forward. Mm -hmm. And so that's sort of where we're hoping that, that this takes people. Yes. Well, your book, How to Money, the graphics, it's very holistic. So I see that in your writing in this book. It's very upbeat and encouraging and accessible. So I I would definitely recommend everyone getting a copy of that book. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, no, I mean it. All right. So last advice you have for any moms listening? Give yourself a break. I mean, it is really, really hard to be a mom. It is hard to get everything done in every single day. And we tend to just take more things on ourselves because A, we know we'll do them better than anybody else, but B, (laughs) you know, we just want them to get done and we trust ourselves more than we trust other people. And sometimes I have to tell myself this, you got to just let stuff go. You, You have to let it go, let other people do it, give yourself a break, take back some time and just breathe a little bit. So that is 100% not money advice, but but that's what I would say. I love it. And I would say that even if you feel like your kid isn't listening to you about anything, they will actually listen to you about money. Kids really do want to learn from their parents because they all have question marks around money and they want to hear about it from you. So don't be shy about talking to your kid about money. Don't be shy about telling them, you know what, I'd really like for you to start saving 30% of this paycheck for college. Like not having those conversations is the worst thing you could do. That's good advice too. They can contact you at hermoney.com and how else can they contact you and where can they buy your book? We are at Hermony Media on almost every social channel. Jean is at Jean Chatsky and I am at Catherine Tuggle. And you can find How to Money on Amazon and at all of your local booksellers. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. I know y'all are super busy women and I really appreciate it. And you gave such a great message to all the moms who are listening. So thank you. Thanks for having us. 
Thanks, Colleen. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms and Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my award-winning, best-selling books, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, and my newest release book, Dial Up the Dream, Making Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. You can find both of these books wherever books are sold. And you can find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com. And that has two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.